Hi, I'm Master Begovich, and you're watching Eurotrips. Hello, and welcome to the Eurotrips podcast. We are here for a, another transfer special, but this time, rather than to start the window, we're doing it at the end. Deadline day was uh, two days ago on Monday, uh, so all the transfers are now, now done until the summer. So we're going to run through all of the last seven days transfers in each league, as well as giving you our best and worst signing of the window. I am your host, Andy, and I'm this week, as ever, joined by my four regulars. I'm here with Ryan, Naeem, Alex and Jonathan. How is everyone? Doing well, thanks. Doing good, doing good. All good here. Well, I am glad you're all well. So, uh, the first thing we're going to focus on is um, someone who wasn't here last week, sadly, but he's here, he's back now. Uh, we're going to head to France. So, Alex, what's been happening in the last seven days in terms of league news when you look at transfers? And then also give me your best and worst signing. Uh, well, I forgive me. You're going to hear typing because in the in while I've been, uh, you know, in the last seven days, I've been working with Breaking the Lines to uh, do, do a, a big roundup of every European transfer from inside and outside Europe. Uh, so I've got a full, wonderful list of every transfer of every league and, of course, France. And I could pick out some highlights. I'll tell you straight away, France. France is the only big five league. Um that made an overall pop a profit in January. They made 27 million euros, whereas every other league for context, the Premier League, the Premier League lost, lost 181 million euros, or rather net spent that. So in France, you still spent a, quite a bit on incoming, though, and there were a few teams who recruited uh, quite a bit. Marseille, obviously, uh, Ryan and I are probably delighted because they stole Said Kalasinac. Uh, they also brought in uh, Samuel Gugo, from Spartak Moscow and Cedric Bakambu uh, from BJ Guan. Um, other teams as well made a bit of business. Saint Etienne, who bit, I've got a bit of an interesting one about them. Uh, so they've made a, a bunch of signings, they get six, and they're all loans and frees. And one of the players called uh, Joris Ngangon, um, Ngagon, uh, he, he's turned up 20 kilograms overweight. Uh, to the point where the security thought he was part of the, he was a new recruit to their team, like a security team, and uh, they didn't realise he was a new signing when he turned up to training. Um, so that that's that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I guess there's been a bit of a limit in terms of like proper key transfers. A fun one might be uh, hasn't been offered to Lille uh, on a free transfer. I think everyone knows he's undoubtedly extremely talented. It also came out as well. Lil were offered Jack Wilshire, um, and wow. they yeah, uh, and they said no, wow. <laughs> which is quite funny. Uh, but I think the the transfer really stands out. I think across the league, you might expect me to say Undombele, but it's the other player who's arrived in uh, at Lyon. It's uh, Roman Favre. Uh, his uh, French twenty three year old has moved from Brest for about fifteen million euros. He's got. I think 12 goals and assists so far this season for Brest, which is quite a lot considering Brest are a uh, mid-table to relegation tier club. He plays sort of in the attacking midfield to the left wing zones, I believe. Uh, it's not the quickest, but I'd say he's very technically gifted. I like the way he controls the ball and his technique. Uh, and at 23 as well, he represents the exact right age profile uh, that Leon should be recruiting. Yeah, you've obviously mentioned transfers you think were good, but um, one thing you haven't mentioned yet, Alex, is um, the not-so-good transfers in your eyes. So what would you say, or who would you say, 
has been the uh, the worst signing made in Ligue 1 this January. Thank you for asking. I think there's there's been a lot of sort of average moves. Like touched on Kalasinac to Marseille, it's a bit meh. Uh, touched on the Gangwon guy to uh, San Etienne, and obviously that's not that's not very good at all. But I feel like he's such a low profile of move. There's no real point of um, talking about him. I'm going to go a bit harsh here. I think the worst signing might be Marcelo to Bordeaux on a free from Leon. Uh, Marcelo, you guys may remember from earlier in the podcast uh, a few months ago, when Leon lost their second game of the season against Angers 3-0 and everything was going to shit. That's when you saw headlines like, sports and director hates these players. These players are up for sale. Leon will do everything to sell, like Ray and Cherky for some hour. Uh, Marcelo was a guy who laughed in the dressing room after the loss and they just said, you'll never play again, you'll never play again for this club. Now, Bordeaux have picked up on a free Brazilian centre-back, who I think is now 34 years old. I'll double-check that now, but I I think this isn't good for a team who have conceded the most goals in the league, and I believe it's 53 goals in around 20 games. It's like, it, it's it's more than two a game. And yeah, the 34-year-old, I think he's not the best defender. The, his last appearance came when he scored an own goal for Leon. And I think it's more damning because Bordeaux were pressing quite hard to get Phil Jones on loan. And by all accounts, Jones is quite close to joining. I think Phil Jones is... I know he's a bit of a meme, but he's quite a competent defender. Like, he's going to be able to mm-hmm. battle still for a place in Man United, especially if they switch to a back three, which has been rumoured for Ralph Ragnick. So, to, to go in for Jones and to end up with Marcelo, who's a Leon reject, 34, not that of centre back past his prime, I, I think it's I think it kind of cements Bordeaux's state of a club and why they're probably going to get relegated this season. Yeah, sad state effects of Bordeaux because as you were saying in, in your last in the last podcast you did to those um, was that obviously club that you know Champions League football in the past they've um, you know a well known club I think was why a lot of people knew who they are and I think it's um, it is sad to see uh, them, them potentially go down. Uh, because I, th- I think I think that yeah, they're probably a bit like Aston Villa in terms of a club that people know um, who went down, who everyone thought was too good to go down. So yeah, um, that's a good comparison. Yeah, and um, you mentioned as well Phil Jones. I mean, I've actually listened to his po- podcast. He was on. Um, it's very rare I'd put a Man U podcast on, but I just really curious to see what he had to say about his his struggles in the last two years. And he's um, you know, from all, all you can hear, he's very sort of respectable, nice guy, um, you know, and he's um, clearly wants to do well. And he's clearly, you can hear in his voice, you can hear the, the struggle he's had. And I think he played against Wolves and he, I know he made a mistake for the goal, but I think he had quite a good performance. So, um, yeah, I think there's still hope. I don't think he's going to be quite the player we all thought he was going to be, you know, when he first joined them. But I think, you know, there's still hope for him left to have a semi-decent career, I, I, I think, personally. But, um, but yeah. Good luck to wherever he goes. Um, but now our next league we're going to focus on is events in Germany. Um, of course, one player who hasn't left Germany, uh, unsurprisingly probably, is Erling Haaland. But what else has been happening in the last seven days with transfers, Jonathan? And what is your best and worst signing? Yes, yeah, speaking of Dortmund, they did pretty much nothing. They sent one of their players out on loan to Frankfurt. But other than that, they held their hands back, pulled an arsenal, and uh, didn't do anything at all this window. I would have liked to see see them go after Zacharias. Gladbach were clearly doing everything they could to get him out of the club before his contract expired this summer. 
but they still did not do anything, especially to fix some holes on their defense or in the middle of the park, especially with a number six or some sort of defensive type in the midfield. Um, Bayern Munich didn't do too much either. There really wasn't a lot going on with the big clubs in the Bundesliga. Uh, They let Cuisance go back, uh, or not go back, but to go to Venezia for, I think it was four and a half million euros. Um, He was a bright, bright young talent and still is, but seemed to not get along with the Bayern brass, seemed to have a bunch of clashes with some teammates as well. And, and his time at Bayern, while he was seen as sort of that next big presence there, didn't really work out. So uh, pretty good fee, especially with a guy who seems to be having a bit of trouble as of late. My best transfer uh, was probably going to be Mark Oliver Kempf to Hertha Berlin. They got him for 500,000 euros he was at Stuttgart. I know his contract was sort of coming to an end. He went to Stuttgart in 2018-2019 in season. Um, but for only 500,000 euros, he has a market value of 7 million. A really solid center back. Um, back at the back of the line for, for Stuttgart. They, I guess Hertha just was able to get it for 500,000 euros. They were willing to let him go. Um, they didn't want to let him go on a free, but still only 500000 for a $7 million value of a player seems a bit of a stretch, uh, but good for Hertha Berlin. They're still trying to do everything they can to stay up and, and Stuttgart to let a starter go on defense who can not only you know hold things down at the back, but use his head and has scored a couple of goals already on corners. Uh, it's a pretty, pretty big missing piece, especially when they're doing everything in their power to avoid relegation, which they are right in the thick of at the moment. I really like Marvin Friedrich to, um, he went over to Mönchengladbach from Union Berlin. There was a bit of a swap going on with Union Berlin, Mönchengladbach and Wolfsburg. It was really interesting how Max Kruse, he's 33, he's been on seemingly every team in the Bundesliga He's going back to Wolfsburg, a club that he was in, I believe it was the 2015 season. Um, you know, he's had somewhere around eight goals, seven assists thus far for Union. Union is a team flying high, shooting for Europe, and now he's off to Wolfsburg, who are in a terrible state at the moment. They got him for around 5 million euros for a 33-year-old, um, not extremely high caliber of players. Some might say this is a too big of a fee, but Cruz is still a big, big player on the wing. Um, is extremely difficult to stop going down the line. And so for Wolfsburg to get a guy like this who's been around, has some experience, can bring that to the locker room, I think is a big pickup for them. But for a union team who really depend on him, especially to put balls into the box, especially if they're going for the Europa League or possibly even sneaking into that fourth spot, I don't really understand letting him go. Um, so I guess that's a best and worst transfer. And then I want us to just touch on Val Vekhorst, who is off to Burnley. Interesting little swap there. Chris Wood to Newcastle, and they replaced him with a 6-6. Can be a monster at times when he's got his head on straight. Um, I believe he was went to went to Burnley for about 14 million or so euros. They replaced him with Jonas Wind. I don't watch too much uh, football from Denmark, but um, FC Copenhagen player, only 22 years old. They got him in for about 12 million euros as the replacement. He's already made a little bit of movement on the Danish national team as well, but he's definitely not as tall as Vekhorst, but 
but have you seen his goal scoring record? I have not. No, what is it? It's very fucking good. I, I covered him earlier in the um, earlier this season, actually, because I was, I was really blown away. In twenty twenty one season, he had twenty eight games and he scored fifteen goals and got eight assists. And in the twenty one twenty two campaign, after he just left, it was sixteen games, six goals, three assists. Like he's uh, probably the best player in Denmark. So he's like, I, I really like this move. That's not too bad. I mean, Vakhorst, I, I understand them getting him out of the club. Um, I still don't believe he's gotten the vaccine. Uh, there was trouble with him in Germany, and that's why there was actually trouble getting him out of there because he's you know, had some issues in the locker room with the coaching staff and he hasn't played as much this year, hasn't been you know, as good a form in front of goal as he was in previous, previous seasons. But they did everything in their power to get him out, and I guess Burnley, that sort of rough club, doesn't really care if he's not vaccinated. They're going to take him. Somebody to replace Chris wouldn't give them any sort of chance of staying up. But it'll be interesting to see Jonas Jonas Wynn, see if he's going to replace him. But I, I do like the moves from Wolfsburg. They've really, really struggling um, these past couple of months. So it's nice to see them you know, get a little bit of fresh air into their squad. Um, and then finally, Dennis Zakaria did end up leaving, uh, going to Juventus, of course, with Vlahovic. Um, they've had... A fairly interesting transfer under Juventus, but I'm sure we'll cover that later on. Uh, for only 8 million euros, I mean, I get they wanted to, to do anything they can to at least get something, but uh, I think the fee was somewhere between that 5 and 8 million range, and, and for that little, for this caliber of a player, is a really, really good move for Juventus and not great for Gladbach. Um, Zachary is injury-prone. Pl- he's constantly getting knocks, uh, but when he's healthy, there's, there's no one that moves quite like him. He's fun to watch. Um, so Gladbach are a bit changed, but I think I think things are going to stay the same. I think Dortmund will still finish in that second spot. Bayern's going to win. I still don't understand them not willing to do anything in the transfer window. They're still waiting to get out of Yemi into the club, and Holland will move out in the summer. Uh, we'll interesting see what happens in the second half of the season. Well, thank you very much. And obviously, Vekhorst is a player that I, I, I've never seen him play, but... Um... You see, he seems like from his size, like the perfect Burnley player. So um, <laughs> interesting to see how he'll do in the Premier League. And talking of the Premier League, um, this, this is the next league we're focusing on. Um, so in terms of the last seven days, um, Villa signed Arsenal's Callum Chambers on a permanent deal. Uh, Brentford signed on a six-month deal. They signed Christian Eriksen after he left Inter Milan in slightly unfortunate ways. Um, other transfers, Everton were quite busy. They bought a Van der Beek on loan from Manchester United and Deli Alley for £40 million from, um, from Tottenham Hospital, ending his seven-year spell at the club. Wait, what? <laughs> they bought Deli for £40 million? That is correct. Is it? I thought it was on a free. Deli That's what I thought. <laughs> it could work its way yeah, up to £40 million. Yeah, basically. It's a, free, sure. it's a free transfer, but as long as he plays a certain amount of games and obviously fulfills certain things, it could end up at forty million. Oh, yeah. I, I, I saw that. I'm double checking how many games, but um, Everton have played. But he, so Everton will pay a few millions to Tottenham if he plays twenty games for Everton. But he's cup tied, and Everton only have eighteen games left of the Premier League season. So theoretically, he could play every Premier League game, and Everton sell him in the summer for, I guess. <laughs> having paid nothing to Spurs and getting all the money for themselves. <laughs> I'm not sure if they, they do, yeah, do that because of 
contracts or regulations or whatever. I'm not. I don't know if they could if I'd get away with that, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, that, it would be a Spurs. It would be a Spurs move to to have that happen. That's what I think. Very Spursy, isn't it? That is. Um, Liverpool, um, obviously, we signed Luis Diaz for a deal for £37 million from Porto, a deal that could rise to £49 million. Um, outgoing saw both Nat Phillips and Nico Williams join the championship on loan, with Phillips going to Bournemouth and Williams going to Fulham uh, after we failed to also sign their player, uh, Carvalho, for £5 million. Uh, Mazzetti signed the highly rated youngster Julian Alvarez from River Plate for £17 million, whereas Newcastle bought Bruno Guimaraes for £40 million, signed Dan Byrne for around £10 million, and Matt Target from Aston Villa on loan. Uh, Spurs signed two players from Juventus in the last seven days, uh, Rodrigo Bentenker, and uh, I'm not going to say his name, I'm just going to get mocked. And then, talking to Spurs, they also let go of Brian Gill on loan to Valencia less than six months after he joined the club for £20 million. And also, the previously mentioned Ndombele has gone to Lyon as well. Uh, but before I go on to my best and worst signing, um, I'm going to let you all guess who is the... Obviously, Sunderland got rid of their badge, Lee Johnson, after a 6-0 defeat to Bolton in League One. Um, the report's coming out who the favourite is. I'm going to give you all one guess each to tell me who the favourite is for the job. And I'll be amazed if anyone gets this. For the Sunderland job. Um, I, I will get Jermaine Defoe. And uh, anyone else want to punt in? Roy Keane. Um, Oh, for God's sake, right? You, you, you've seen it, haven't you? On Sports Bible. Damn it. It came out 14 minutes ago, so I thought maybe maybe you wouldn't have seen it. But yeah, Roy Keane is apparently the overwhelming favourite to become the new Sunderland manager. Because he already spent time there, I believe it was 2008, 2007, when he got them promoted. Mm. Um, also, didn't last too on the Premier League. But for me, oh, I'd say sure getting Jermaine Defoe and Peter Crouch to manage the club. <laughs> well, they are saying they are seeing here for all football fans get Mick Richards as his assistant if Roy Keane does get the job. Yes, yeah, that that would be good. I mean, like I question why. First of all, I don't know why they want him back because he wasn't exactly he did well. He did well in the lower leagues, I suppose. Uh, but I like him as a pundit, so I wouldn't want to see him lose leave that role. A bit like Neville, Neville left for Valencia. Um, but yeah, going on to my best and worst signing. Oh, actually, but before I do do that, I wanted to get one touch on one more um, transfer that's happened in the last seven days from the views of Arsenal fans. So, in the last seven days, well, actually yesterday, after much drama, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang had his contract mutually terminated before sealing a free transfer to Barcelona. Now, he's a guy who was there for four years, scored many goals for the club, was a captain when they won the FA Cup, scored the winning goal, wonderful goal at that. Obviously, helped him lift the um, community shield as well. So I want to get both your views just as Arsenal fans because he's, I know he didn't have the best ending to his time there, but he had a really good spell with the club. And I think, you know, I think he's been a mostly good servant if you exclude the off the field stuff. Um, so I want to get as an Arsenal fan for both of you, just your overall views on his departure and sort of how you're feeling about everything about him leaving. I'll let Ryan go first. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, the deal made sense for everyone really, wasn't it? Because... Evident that he wasn't going to play for the club again. Um, I don't blame Arteta at all. At the end of the day, he broke the rules one too many times. Something that he did at Dortmund as well. You can't understand. You know, we've got a lot of young players at the squad. There needs to be a level of discipline that they're going to stick to and not be able to get away with. And he's the club captain, so he's got to 
you know, take some responsibility for that. So, and then there we save, you know, 20 odd million pounds for the rest of his contracts. He gets moved to Barcelona. They get him for, well, for nothing. And I believe he's only on about 100 grand a week there as well. So, good good deal for everyone. And it needed to happen as well. So, we didn't want him sitting around like Ozil did. So, I'm happy that it got done, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was the right thing to do. Um, obviously, him and Arteta must have fallen out big time. Like Ryan said, you know, there's a lot, we've got a young squad. So, you being a cab, club captain, you've got to set an example for the, the young players there. Because, you know, if he keeps getting away, if he kept on getting away with it, then they might be of the, the thoughts of, you know, I can do the same thing. But I'm a bit annoyed to see him go because, you know, he was our main goal scorer. And now we've got to rely on Lacazette and Eddie and Ketty for the rest of the season. But, yeah, no players bigger than the club. And obviously there's more to it, um, him and Arteta, that, than we know. But uh, it was the right thing to do for the going forward. Um, but, yeah, I just hope that we can obviously get adequate replacements in in the summer because... We ain't, we're not going to have any strikers apart from Balogun coming back from loan. So, yeah, big guy to see him go, but yeah, I hope he does well at Barcelona anyway. So, yeah. Can I can I offer up a different perspective? It's why yeah. I love it's why I love Euro trips as well because I get to kind of let loose a bit, and I think Arsenal have dodged a bullet. I, I'm uh, you, I'm well done for letting him go. I think he's going to be a complete flop at Barcelona. <laughs> I, I, I think I said it. I think I said it at the start of our season, right? I'm pretty sure I said to Ryan, I was like, Aubameyang is going to be bad because he's he's declined every year he's been in the Premier League. And I genuinely don't know what Brian said to me. He might have agreed, might have gone, but I know a lot of people online disagreed. And well. I was just checking, okay? Uh, going back to when he first moved to the Premier League, his goals per minute uh, is 100, 106 minutes, so the lower it is, the better. That's really good. 18-19, from 106 to Oh, it's dropped off a bit. From 1920, 126 to 143. Oh, it's gone up a bit. 2021 to, to 234 minutes, and now he's averaging a goal every 262 minutes with four goals this season. And he's got disciplinary issues, and he's 32. I think Arsenal have done very well. This is a guy earning big money mm-hmm. on a contract that went for quite a while as well still, I believe. Well done for Arsenal for getting him off the books. And even better, well done to put into Barcelona because if they sign him on a permanent, or they have, haven't they? Yeah. He can he can sabotage that club even further, and we could continue to laugh for all of eternity. That's what I want to talk about as well was the fact that you mentioned disciplinary issues at Dortmund, but you could sort of a bit like Suarez, you sort of almost forgave him because he he was getting the goals at, at Dortmund. He definitely was, mm. and you know even the stuff in the early days Arsenal with the balloons with um, Lacazette and Guendouzi, I believe he was there as well. Um, you, 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 I think the club and the fans can forgive that because you know when he first, especially his first two years, he was he scored those goals, got joint golden boot one year with Salah and Mane, but of course now he's having these problems with disciplinary wise, but he's not getting the goals, so you can't really, you know, it, yeah, if he was scoring the goals this year, he could have gone, ah, oh, you know what, it's not good what he's doing, but at least he's playing well for the club, but he's not, he wasn't even playing well for the club in the last six months, two years, so I think for me, I, I totally agree with what everyone said so far that I think. It's the right move for everyone involved. Get rid of him, gone. He's not playing well enough to earn a new contract and even keep if he's going to be that much of a troublemaker. Because wasn't there talk about him? Did he didn't he fly to Spain to get a tattoo when he's meant to be training or or something like that? I mean, that that was probably the last straw. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he played much since then. But um, yeah, I think but, he was 
he was getting old as well. So it's it's also the fact that even when he was playing well and he missed training one day, obviously he was dropped for the North London derby and he was scoring goals then. So it just shows that even if he was scoring goals, he probably still would have been dropped by Arteta and he still probably wouldn't have got back into the team and it would have been an awful thing to do if he had stayed for the rest of the season and we gone back to him and say, you know, you can come back into the team now because it would just, you know, change everything that Arteta has worked hard to install within the club. And obviously we follow, I follow a lot of Arsenal fans obviously on Twitter and so many of them, probably 12 year olds still at school, but, you know, whinging at Arteta and Edu specifically, I don't think that they've done a bad job whatsoever. What are they meant to do? Look at the squad that they came into, you know, talking about, you know, you get fucking sport Bible, you know, who start posting things like, you know, we lost 200 million on all these players who we gave away for free. Who's going to pay any money for, you know, a 30 odd Ozil who's done nothing for except play Fortnite for a year. And <laughs> the same goes for Albaniang and Socrates and Mustafi. No one's going to pay any money for them. So what are they meant to do? You need to get rid of them and just be done with it and just say, you know, that was mistakes from, the old regime, and just get on with it. And I don't see what more... You know, I'm disappointed we didn't get a striker in, but I'm ra- I'm glad we just we didn't panic by like we have done since so many other years. We didn't just go and buy someone for the sake of it, and now we're going to wait and have all this money to spend in the summer and be able to get someone that they actually want, which is the right thing to do. And here's what it is. Yeah, I'm a billion percent with you. I don't get the people who are saying... Edu needs to go. Like, so the man who, okay, we don't know how involved he was, but I imagine he was significantly involved in probably the best summer Arsenal have had in my memory. I can't yeah. remember another one. They want to get rid of him because just, you know, a few months after that, he let players go and didn't bring any in. I know you're thin on depth, but even if, like, you finish fifth or sixth this season, that's a big improvement on last year, and it means you can spend big on the summer and probably lock down top four next year. So, I, yeah, I'm with you. Don't get... But, uh, go on. No, it's, it's also the fact is that we have no cup games left. It's now just Premier League games, and mm. I think there's what seventeen, eighteen games left Something to be played. Like yeah. maybe, maybe even less than that. So the fact, you know, we have got a thin squad is, you know, fair enough. But it's not as if we're gonna, we're not playing twice a week anymore. At the end of the day, we're going to be playing once a week, if that. And you know, our our, our one to eleven fully fit. I believe is is capable enough. Obviously, as long as we don't get any injuries, I think I think we'll be all right. And we didn't go and get you know a stupid player like Dennis Suarez like we have done before, or someone awful like that who wasn't going to improve us. You know, there's no point doing that anymore. And I'm glad to see that we're learning from those mistakes. Yeah, I'm going to just take you all back to memory lane when we didn't buy a centre back in one summer. Obviously, ever we all knew our target was Van Dijk. Everyone going on Twitter, you saw on many different social media channels, people saying, oh, they were wilded by someone else. We waited, waited till January, we bought Van Dyke in January, and look what's happened. So I think there's an awful, I, I've, I mentioned this recently in an article, that there's an awful, there's a trend these days, there's an obsession with modern day fans to buy, buy, buy. I think that like the City and Chelsea have sort of got everyone thinking that you have to buy all the time, you know, just for sake of it, where really... You know, we, we ha- you, you, you got to buy the right players. You can't just buy a player just for the name. You've you got to buy a player that's right for you. And I think if it means waiting six months, then that's no problem. Of course, also, 
I'm gonna, I, I've mentioned this probably uh, many times before, so apologies for all the listeners who've heard this before, that we didn't buy anyone the year we won the league. All we bought was Seth Vanderberg, who's nowhere to be seen. We bought Harvey Edit, who was 16-17, and bought Minamino in January for £7 million. We bought no one that year and had our best season in the league ever. So I think sometimes it's that whole argument of not... You just don't buy for sake of it. You've got to buy the players that's right for you, and you've got to have that right atmosphere in the dressing room. Because going way back, 96, when Newcastle lost the league after a 12-point lead at Christmas, they bought Asprey in January. Evan, from what I've heard, Evan says that was a that was a potential reason why um, they did lose points because he didn't quite fit the dressing or fit the system or something like that. But yeah, so for me, I think absolutely just get the players you want and there's no point just panic buying just for the sake of it. So I think, yeah, I, I think Arsenal personally get in top four. I've been saying this for a while now. I think we let them or Man U, I think, they'll, I think they'll do it because of that lack of lack of cup games and sort of being more fresh. Um, but we are now heading to my final bit before I do head on to uh, La Liga. Uh, my best and worst signings of the window. Now, my best signing, um, you could argue Luis Diaz. You know, Luis Diaz looks good, but I feel like he, he's probably the best signing long term. But I do feel like maybe, you know, with Marley still there, Salah still there, I think he'll maybe bit, maybe might be a victim of rotation or just playing, uh, you know, the odd game or there, maybe just playing... Um, half the games with Mane. But I've gone for a former Liverpool player, um, shock horror. I've gone for Philippe Coutinho. I think that he's only played two games so far, already got a goal, um, albeit a tap-in. But I just feel that if they use him rightly, I think Stephen Gerrard will know exactly how he plays best. He plays them for many years at Liverpool, and he knew he was best when he was playing centrally. Too many clubs are playing him out wide, which Inter Milan tried to do, that failed. Barca tried to do, that failed. Uh, Bayern, I think Bayern did it as well, but he's only a lone player. Um, so I feel Coutinho, you know, if they can have him centrally, you know, just off just off the striker, I think that's where he'll perform best. If they can do that, I think they'll get somewhat resemblance of what Coutinho was like before he joined Barcelona. Um, I think for me, the worst signing um, I did originally have. I, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with Deli Ali. Um, I th- originally, I thought 40 million. That's a terrible amount of money for a player that's not done it in years. But I think even if it is a free transfer, and even if they do rise, the fee could rise. I still think that. Uh, I think people still feel he's going to be the. He's going to have. He's going to be transformed into the player that we all saw in his days of Spurs, and you know, Frank Lampard's come in, good appointment um, at Everton, in my opinion, but. If Mourinho famously turned Lampard into a world world class player, from a good player to a world class player, I think he did something like I think he came into he went into the room, the shower room or something in in the Chelsea dressing room, and he sort of told him you're the best in the field in the world, and that changed everything. So if Mourinho can't get Ali to play well, then who can? I think Mourinho, even though he's, he's declined on the pitch tactically, I still think his man management is one of the best in the world, and I do feel like if if, if Mourinho uh, can't get the best out of Deli Ali. Now I'm not sure Lampard can, and Lampard should know full well what how good Mourinho is. So I think Deli Ali. I think people are thinking he'll get back to his best, but I still think Deli Ali is is finished. I think everyone who watched all nothing can, can you could clearly see that he's not got the the mental aspect of the game. He's not got that mental strength that a lot of players. They look at Ravel Morrison with a classic example of having the talent, but not the the sort of the mental um, ability to perform well. So that's why I've gone for Deli Ali as my worst signing of the January transfer window. But now we're heading to our penultimate league. Uh, we are heading to Spain. Um, of course, I mentioned the Bamian going to Barcelona. Um, that's a nice segue towards La Liga. So, Naeem, 
Any transfers in the last seven days? And also, what is your worst and best signing? Yeah, so obviously um, there's been there's been a few um, transfers over the last seven days. Um, obviously, notably, obviously Bamiyang leaving Arsenal to go to Barcelona on a free. They've also obviously got Aldama Traore on loan um, for for the rest of the season from Wolves. Obviously, he came from Barcelona's youth academy. Um, they also obviously Barcelona. They also brought in Ferran Torres, but that was at the beginning of the month. Um, funny enough, he was the most expensive transfer um, throughout the whole of January as. Most of the teams opted for getting in loan players rather than breaking a bank. So I would probably say out out of, out of the bottom three teams, um, Cadiz they've they've they brought in quite a lot of players and they've um, loaned out a few players. Um, so they've, they've got on loan Lucas Perez from Elche. Um, obviously Cadiz they're only like two points from safety. So um, I think obviously with their activity there they do obviously really want to try and stay in the league. With Levante, they only brought in one player on a free free transfer um, from Caballero. His name is uh, Martin. Uh, I can't pronounce his surname, so I ain't going to try. Yeah, he was brought on on a free. So I think they're resigned to the fact that they're probably going to go down this season. So there's there's no point of really spending too much money. Um, out, out of the, obviously the top five teams, obviously like I've mentioned before, Barcelona, they've had obviously the most activity. Um, Coutinho has gone out on loan, like you've mentioned, Testin Villa. Obviously, Sergio Aguero has had to retire, obviously, hence why I think they've gone in for free attack-minded players. Um, they obviously also brought in Fabio Blanco from Antrack Frankfurt, but he's gone straight into their Barcelona B team, so he'll be one for the future. He's only 17 years old, so we'll see, see where he um, ends up in the next couple of years, where he can break into the first team. Um, Atletico Madrid, uh, they brought in two players. They brought in Daniel West from Valencia for a fee of around £2.1 million. And they also brought in Renildo Mandava from Lille. And that was another transfer that was £2.5 million. Um, Korean Trippier, he's gone uh, for £12 million to Newcastle. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the right back that they've got there. Um, Royal Batiste, they didn't actually bring in anyone into their first team. Um, so, yeah, they have, I'm not too sure whether they can keep up the form they are in at the moment, but they've got a good manager in Pellegrini, so I reckon they probably be all right with the squad that they have. Um, Sevilla, like, like I mentioned in the previous podcast, Mar- they got Martial on loan, and they brought in at the start of the month um, Jesus Corona from Porto um, for only £2.9 million, pounds, so that's a, a cheap sign in there. Um, Real Madrid, they didn't actually bring in anyone, and no one came out, but obviously... They're going to be getting Mbappe um, on a free transfer there at the end of the season. And I think they'll be more active in the summer when there's quite a few of their transfer targets will be out of contract. So they, they you'll probably see a bit more business from them um, in the summer. Since last summer, they didn't really spend too much money. They only bought in Alaba and Camavinga. So I'll probably say the best signing um, out of, out of uh, the ones in the league... I probably would say Ferran Torres, although obviously he was the most expensive players. You know, he's only 21. He's played in the league before. Um, in the three games he's played in all comps, he's got a goal and assist. So you know, he's he's played. He's been playing out wide on the wing for Barcelona. So I reckon going forward, they'll probably either start Bamiyang up front um, or keep Luke De Jong up there. Obviously, they've also got um, what's his? I can't remember his name now. Um, is that a striker called? Oh, Martin Braithwaite. That's the one, sorry, yeah. 
brain fart there. <laughs> yeah, so obviously they've got um, three strikers there now. So I don't know whether a, dorm- a dormitory will start or does be an impact sub, but I'll probably say, yeah, um, Ferran Torres, uh, because of the age, um, I think he will um, reach his potential. You know, we saw it at Man City, saw it when he was at Valencia as well. And the worst one, I probably would say, even though it's only a loan deal, I probably would say a Dharmatore. Um It's not really too sure why they did go in for him. Maybe it's just for cover uh, for the rest of the season. But, you know, he's good going forward. You know, he can beat players. You know, he's, he's very fast, but his end product's not the greatest. So, I don't know if he's just brought in for, like, an impact sub. But, yeah, I'll, I'll probably go for the... Ferran Torres is my the best sign-in for... La Liga and the worst one probably say a dormitory on loan for the rest of the season. I saw a, um, a funny picture the, the other day about how um, go back to our chat YouTube channel. Of course, obviously you boys both went to uh, Middlesbrough on the weekend. Middlesbrough Coventry. Do check mm-hmm. out on our YouTube. Um, of course, Braceway and Troy were both there about three or four years ago at one point. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> who would have thought that that would have been you know them two would be both playing for Barcelona three or four years ago. And on that, whilst I'm here as well, I mm. saw a great thing from The Athletic um, saying, imagine telling someone in 2018 that Dembele, Coutinho, Griezmann, Aguero, Depay and Aubameyang would all play for Barcelona in the same season and they'd be seventh in La Liga for goals scored. <laughs> you think, what? <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you got told that in 2018, someone told you that in 2022, the year of the World Cup in Qatar, these players are all going to play for Barcelona and they're going to be, what's their sixth, seventh in the league and their seventh in goal scored as well. It just shows how bad it's gone for not only these players that are involved, but also the club in general. I mean, that's, and also then Europa League for the first time in years as well. So it's, um, they've got to beat Napoli first in that. Play. Yeah. Oh <laughs> God, I can't, I can't even see them doing that. I think they'll, I think Napoli will lose that game. Yeah. That's why I, I think Barcelona will lose that game to Napoli. I really do. I think, Napoli and the Rhinos know definitely well how they've not been in the best form in recent months in, in the Serie A. But I still think that team you know, is, is much better than Barcelona's. But then again, you, you never know in football, do you? Hi, I'm Lee Jazzies, and you're listening to the Euro Trip podcast. Um, talking of Serie A, um, our final league, this is our final league. So, Ryan, let's head to Ryan. Give us your transfer updates from the last seven days, as well as your best and worst signings. Well, a little bit of a different route, just going with more of the teams that sort of the winners and losers, really, from the team's perspective. But picked out some players as well. Obviously, the the major winners were Juventus. No shot, really, there because they brought in Dusan Vlahovic and Denis Sakralia, which were signings that they desperately needed, especially Vlahovic. As much as that transfer did annoy me, as well as plenty of Fiorentina fans, it was excellent business. No one could argue against that, I don't think. But they, more importantly, they shipped out of the likes of Kulisevsky, uh, Benton Cure, and Aaron Ramsey as well, um, all of which are now off their wage bill for the time being. And they needed desperately to do that, to balance out their financials, especially for this season. And... As you say, the the signing of Lahovic was just, you know, so unexpected in a, in a sense. But, yeah, it's, like I say, it's, it annoyed a lot of people. But, again, it's turned them into 
you know, a massive threat now going forward for the rest of the season. In terms of the other teams, you've got Inter Milan, who've done good. They've done good business. They got in Robin Gossens um, from Atalanta, a Champions League rival. Um, he's more come in as cover, really, because Ivan Perisic was injured. He was having a great season as well, playing more that sort of left wing back kind of role. But Gossens will do very, very well there, I have no doubt. And considering that's a loan as well, amazing business to be honest and they also brought in Felipe Sosado as well as a backup striker to Edin Dzeko and Lotario Martinez Sosado is someone who's played in Serie A for a long time and he scores goals and I think he'll score goals again in, uh, for the rest of the season so they then good business Fiorentina I mean surprise maybe considering obviously they lost their star man but the fact that they got such a high fee for someone with 18 months left on his deal uh, was albeit to their rivals was good business at the end of the day um they brought in two good competent strikers and christoph piasek who has a good goal scoring record in Serie A, especially as well as arthur cabral on a permanent deal uh, i don't really know too much about him i haven't really researched him that much i don't know how i have I'll let, I'll, I'll let Alex um, have a little sell on him in a minute. But obviously, Jonathan Acona as well was a good signing from from Lille. Uh, talented, tricky, pacey. You know, he's very inconsistent, so he kind of matches Fiorentina perfectly, to be honest with you. But hopefully, those two forwards can make up most of the goals that they'll lose from Vlahovic. But in terms of the losers of the window, probably the major two were AC Milan and Napoli because both have got a realistic chance of winning the Squadetto this season. And Milan, they needed a centre-back. It was it's quite simple. Everyone knew that they needed a centre-back. And they spent most of the window trying to get Sven Botman in. And although he wanted to move, and he even wanted to move to Newcastle as well, Lille just apparently were not willing to sell him in January. Um, they're going to wait until the summer before he then moves on. But they spent all that time trying to get him that they didn't look at alternatives. And by the time they were looking at elsewhere, it was pretty much too late. And, you know, they're now a bit short there, especially that they have players who are injury prone in that position. But, you know, they could have strengthened on the right wing as well, something else that they didn't do. So probably a disappointing window from Milan's perspective. And then Napoli, again, they only brought in the one player, Axel Twanzebi, as a pretty much as a replacement for Costas Manolos, which doesn't exactly scream excitement. Uh, plus the fact that they didn't get a backup option at left-back, something that could cost them. You know, they've only got Mario Rui, who plays there at the moment. And if he picks up an injury, you know, they could be in very big trouble come the rest of the season considering as we say they're still in the Europa League as well um, plus obviously challenging for a, a top four maybe even the, you know, the title so uh, dangerous business from them in terms of the worst on there weren't really that many to choose from I've actually gone with Twins AB you know on loan from uh, from United uh, I think that's where he's come from I don't know if mm-hmm. he moved yeah. yeah yeah I don't I don't really get that i think there were better center backs on the market available to bring in on loan so that one is a bit you know of a strange one um the best signing apart from vlahovic i think nani to uh, venicia is a good bit of business considering they pay nothing for him i know he's you know getting on a bit now but 
it'll bring not just experience as well playing at the top level, but it'll still bring assists. It'll bring a few goals. Inconsistency. Uh, um. <laughs> he has got. He has got that. Yeah, but I just think that again, he's 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 a big name at the end of the day going to Venezia, and obviously they brought in um, Mikel Cuisance, who Jonathan mentioned earlier. Again, that could be decent business as well. You had the likes of Salernitana. They brought in about nine players. As you know, they brought in loads of players as well. Whether they make a major difference for the rest of the season is yet to be seen, really. But I think overall, probably Serie A had a, had a decent window, to be honest. Um, another big signing was Atlanta. They brought in um, a player who now I can't remember from Sassuolo. Um You'll have to come back to me on that one because I can't remember. But yeah, overall, a decent window to be honest. Yeah, I, th- I think on that as well, you mentioned Fiorentina earlier on. We will be heading there on the weekend. Me and Ryan will be heading to Fiorentina against Lazio. So do keep an eye out on the channel for that. Um, in terms of what you're looking forward to the most, Ryan, um, for me... Obviously, things like the Lean Tower of Pisa, all the tourism stuff. But when you actually get to the game, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, just another stadium, first of all, and, and another city. But also, obviously, Lazio point of view, they're playing. I know he's not playing, but Pe- Pepe Reina will be on the bench. And Lucas Leiva will be starting in, in this game as well. So it'll be nice to see a couple of ex-Liverpool players, as well as Luis Alberto, who never really played for us. So it'll be good to see Lucas Leiva um, in the flash again. That'd be got Pedro. Is he, yeah. is he there, Pedro? Yeah, Pedro, yeah, he's there. Yeah, I look. I look at the last game, and on the bench they had a absolute myth. If you look at um, old Premier League players, they had <laughs> um, no. Sorry, a Fiorentina. Sorry, have I uh, believe um, the Static from Man City? Oh yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. and obviously I've never seen Milinkovic Savage play that much. It'll be good to see him play. Uh, Felipe Anderson played in the last game. The Mobley. Uh, the Mobley. Uh, um... <laughs> great, great player. <laughs> he's all right. But, um, <laughs> like it, it should be, a, it should be a good game. Like I yeah. think goals in most games throughout the season in, in Serie A. So I'm expecting a good game, but I don't know what to make yet of the stadium because it doesn't look too cracky from the pitches. And then it was actually described by their current owner um, as a shithole. Oh, <laughs> he, he actually, he actually said that. Um, well, there's, I think there's this new stadium, isn't there, um, to be the, uh, I think there's talk of a new stadium. They're trying to, but the the local authorities at the moment are not allowing it to happen because Fiorentina's stadium is, you know, one of a handful of stadiums around Italy that's considered um, an historical monument of, I believe that's what it's called. Right, um, yeah. That's, that's, that's why there's such a problem at the moment. With stadiums in Italy, um, there was actually a really good article from James Horn- Horncastle, um, yeah. you know, on that, which is a from, good read from the Athletic. So, uh, obviously, Milan, you know, both Milan clubs stand now building the new stadium. That's got the green light to go ahead. So that'll be interesting to see when that gets built. Obviously, the San Siro is going to be demolished, which is mm. a bit sad. But yeah, it should be should be an exciting. Uh, Little day out, yeah, and um, just to actually send you a picture on our, on our little WhatsApp chat a picture from the stadium. It looks like 
you know, on this day, it could be a great atmosphere. There's like so many purple flares you can see from this picture. But yeah, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, we get there, you know. Get, it's what the atmosphere is going to be like, though, isn't it? Considering, considering the atmosphere and considering that they've just lost the hoverage, I don't know if it's going to be or, hostile or. Well, mm. Yeah, well, there's only one way to find out by looking at our YouTube channel over the weekend. <laughs> so that has been the um, Euro Trips podcast for this week. So I have been your host, Andy, and thank you, everyone, once again for listening and taking part. Um, so, oh yeah, I've been Andy, this has been Ryan, this has been Alex, this has been Jonathan, this has been Naeem, and we will see you next time.